Got time for a quick story. The COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc on music. Not just live music, obviously. Live shows becoming almost a almost a, a relic for a time anyway until the pandemic passes and we're able to have live music again. But also recorded music. It's been talked that a lot of projects have been put on the shelf to wait out the pandemic because a lot of artists either don't want to or have been told it's not a good idea to release new music and then be unable to go around and promote it and be unable to tour in support of this recorded music. And that was the case with Andrew Ferris, who I got to interview in October of 2020 about his EP, Love Makes the World. And that EP came about in part because his debut solo album, self-titled debut solo album, was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It was supposed to come out about March 2020. Well, here we are in March of 2021 when we're recording this and the album has finally come out. Now that the in some parts of the world the pandemic is re- receding, time for this album to come out, see the light of day. And it's a good album. Andrew Ferris is the name of the album, and we're talking to Andrew Ferris. Talk to uh, we talked to you back in October about "Love Makes the World," about the EP you put out, which was the kind of the kind of an appetizer of sorts before the release of your debut solo album, which I've been waiting on for a while. A pandemic happened and everything, but now your self-titled debut album has come out, March nineteenth. So that was uh, do the math here. That was, it was ten days ago from when we're taping the interview uh, tonight, or in the or is it okay is it just after noon where you're at uh it's literally uh midday okay right, right here so we're in the yeah it's midday okay and, uh, what what time is it there it is uh it's 8:02 p.m. on monday right yeah that's right yeah but it's tuesday here already so going across the days here i, I just love when that happens it just, it just blows my mind talking to someone that it's a different day entirely but so so it's been out so it's been out for ten days for for eleven days for you it's been out for ten days for us up here in the states. Well, but it's been a year since the album would have originally come out. Have, right. Yeah. So right. well, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no no I was just gonna say right well because you know that's right about the time when I started to release my album that the pandemic kicked in and the record company out of Nashville and and for the rest of the world. In, you know, uh, is uh, BMG. Um, they said, "Look, Andrew, you can keep releasing your record, but you know the world's going crazy." You know, and, and I'm like, "Yeah, I agree." You know, and people are more worried about their health and their their families and their jobs, and then worrying about Andrew Ferris's album coming out. You know, so I recognized all that, and uh, that's why I delayed it until now. Had it come out a year ago, had it come out on time do you think you would have viewed the songs any differently or maybe i'll switch it around the other way having had a whole year putting it on pause do you view the songs any differently having had a chance to essentially marinate them for a whole year before the public gets to hear those tunes yeah it's really that's a really interesting question i got a little bit paranoid because you know for most artists when they make an album they like to get it out quickly while they're still comfortable with all the recordings, you know. Um, you know, because you tend to sort of 
criticize your own work, most artists do, when it's been around for a while, you know. Um, but for me, I'm actually comfortable with my album again now. I went through a bit of a paranoia phase, but I'm comfortable again with it now, I think. And ironically, uh, a lot of the, the songs on my album, you know, are lyrically deliberately related to subjects like freedom and, uh, you know, being able to... One of the songs called Drifting, you know, about just feeling like you can you can travel around and, and not feel any pressure to be anywhere or do anything. You're just relaxed and you just... You could be, you know, in the old days or it could be now in a car, you know. Uh, it could be on a horse or something. And the same with a lot of the songs on my album are related to that idea of freedom, um, which is not a cliche. It's something that people fought very hard to, 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 to you know, to raise up the flagpole is the idea of freedom and liberty. These are they're not they're not you know light words. And 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 so for me, you know, I feel with my album, the lyrics on it are still just as meaningful, if not more meaningful out of the period we've just come out of. And I didn't design that. That just happened. When I talked to you in October, and I asked you a question kind of along those lines, and totally fine if you don't recall, but I had asked you about Love Makes the World and then how, interestingly, the lyrics on those songs in that EP almost seemed as though they were intended for the time, even though they were written before the pandemic hit. And that's an effect that I'd noticed with other artists throughout last year when they would release music. It seemed like it was... It was perfect. It was appropriate. And here again, did you did that realization ever come across you? Like you were just kind of describing a moment ago that you go, wow, it's almost like you had a almost a premonition without knowing that this was going to be a lyrically appropriate to listen to now, as opposed to had we never had the pandemic and the album would come out on time. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I definitely think that the songs that were on my five track EP as opposed to the 12 tracks on my new LP that I've got out. The difference is, is that the songs that are on my LP were you know, purposely chosen and, 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 and written, most of them, to suit the album. Not so much, not so much the times we, we're experiencing, for better or for worse, but my album was definitely designed to suit an entire concept. Well, I suppose that you know sounds a bit of a big word, but it—that's really what what my album is. It's sort of uh, I wanted everything on my album to be like a country and western folky sort of flavor to the record, and to have influences that were almost pre-electricity a lot of the time. And you know, because most most of the frontier sense of the world of cultures sort of meeting for the first time, or you know, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But in the era we live in now, most of our boundaries and frontiers are technical frontiers. They're technology-driven, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a completely different era. The lyrics on... Uh, look at him here, my, my question. The lyrics on Where Do You Sleep Tonight are, I think, my favorite on the entire album. The wordplay of the months and the way that they get turned into the verses I, I as i'm listening along i'm like okay how's april going? okay yep that works how's may okay that's how the i love that in that particular what is your favorite lyric among the 12 tracks yeah where do you sleep tonight's a good lyric i agree um i appreciate that and but i think i think my probably lyrically 
one of the songs I'm really, uh, two of them actually, I'm very happy with, you know, uh, well, I like all of them, but particularly two of them are Starlight, which I wrote. Uh, the lyric is about, uh, oh, I co-wrote the song with two other friends and very good friends of mine, Buck Johnson and James Dean Hicks. But the lyric I wanted to be about my wife's cancer journey. Uh, she has stage four metastatic breast cancer, and I wanted to write the song Starlight to give the empathy and, and my, you know, awesome respect I have for her. Uh, you know, she's just an amazing lady, and I love her so much. And and that's what the song's all about. That's Starlight. Um, one of the other songs I'm really pleased with the, the way that came together right at the end of the album style uh, not style uh son of a gun uh because i purpose wrote that lyric to suit the idea of a a young gunslinger who's trying to escape from a sheriff and he rides around he doesn't have a very good ending for him mm-hmm. yeah. i do like the the transition too from apache pass into starlight how did you kind of decide to combine those two songs almost because as you're listening to it i feel like whoa is that really a second song and i look down at my phone and go yep that just transitioned to into, into starlight but it feels like one song but with two chapters how was that intended as a as an arrangement yeah well i always thought that starlight was missing something so i got the mariachi trumpets <laughs> going on it and that did it for me then i was happy with it and but I, the segue that goes from Apache Pass into uh, Starlight that was important for me too because I wanted I wanted the, the listener to not feel like they're listening to a pop record or you know you know you know the normal kind of uh, I don't know how to put it but I I, I didn't have formulas for much of, of of this record that I I've learnt as a professional songwriter. I tried to ditch the formulas and go for more of a concept idea where all the songs lyrically relate to each other. So it's an easy flow to go from Apache Pass into Starlight because they're kind of both connected in a strange way. Most of the songs lyrically on my album are all connected, and that was something that I worked very hard you know, to achieve. I think hopefully I've done it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there definitely is. that. There's a setting. I, can, I get the feeling on that, so it, it succeeded instrumentally speaking hear the saxophone popping up on some of the songs especially on you are my rock honestly the first time i heard that i went yeah kirk pengilly playing on sax here it feels just like that it was the impression i was getting how did you decide on this somewhat different instrumentation it, it's it's a combination with some of these some of the instruments sax being maybe the most prominent to me anyway i don't hear on any other album how did you decide on this stew of instrumentation right that's really interesting there there was a i had another uh instrument uh in mind besides the sax uh for that solo part and the instrumentation which was slide guitar but i think the sax just sounded so sweet uh, in the song and, and cool you know i think it's a cool sound and uh, look, I, I love In Excess, and I, I miss those guys. I'm very proud of my association with them, and I get on with them great. Two of them are my brothers. and um, But that song with uh, You Are My Rock, I, I wanted the song 
it's also be the last song on my album to say thank you to everybody for getting that far and listening to the last track on my album. Because some, you know, some albums you put them on, you get halfway through it, and you go, "Yeah, it's okay." You know, maybe I'll listen to the rest of this later. But I'm really surprised that a lot of the people who've been listening to my record and talking to me about it and reviewing it, they play it over and over again. I'm like, you really do know these songs. Wow. You know, as I'm talking to them, you know. So I appreciate you saying that. And, and the instrumentation, all, of, all the musicians that, that played on my record, including, you know, I, I played some of it as well. But ironically, I tried not to play too much on my own record. I was trying to be a lead singer and a songwriter more than I was trying to be, you know, a musical virtuoso. And I was working with a sort of, you know, an incredibly gifted group of people in Nashville of all, you know, different musicians, uh, incredibly talented people. Um, and I recognize one of the things I know as a musician is when I'm hearing another musician who's better than me, I'd much rather listen to them. <laughs> Yeah. The, well, you, you mentioned the fan reaction thus far. Any particular songs jumping out that you've seen, either social media or anyone in person, where they keep saying, I like this song? What, what, what's, what are you sensing thus far? Well, it's very interesting because you brought up Where Do You Sleep Tonight, and even here in Australia, some of the local radio DJs want, you know, are saying, why don't you put that out as a single? But then again, I have other songs out. Well, I got a single out at the moment called "Run, Baby, Run," uh -huh. and, uh, and that's getting some really good airplay too. Um, but I think, I think the the, <laughs> the record label wants me to put out another song. I won't tell you which one it is, but they 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 say I'm telling you this is the one. They keep telling me, and um, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm I'm talking to folks like yourself, and I find it fascinating to to hear what other people have to say. But where do you sleep tonight? Does come up. Uh, Another one that's been a bit of a, uh, you know, it's come out of left field is my Cajun Girl off the record as well. People like that. People like Apache Pass. Um, yeah, people like Son of a Gun. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, then there's You Are My Rock. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know, you know. I'm always a big advocate for going for labels listening to what fans should should say or what fans say, maybe the most prominent recent example was when Maren Morris released her last album. And I don't know if you heard the same story, but I remember she had mentioned just, and I read in like Billboard or something, she said soon after the release, she said, you know, in the United States, a lot of people seem to like The Bones a lot. That song became a mega, mega smash here in the United States. And so that was flagged really early on. So fans liked that from the start, and the label listened to that. I I think the label should probably go by whatever the fans are saying right now. It's probably a good idea for your project. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. That's that's uh, that's very logical too. Um, I like the lateral thinking you've got going there. But I, look, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say something that I that I read once that John Lennon said that you're lucky if anyone likes you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and and that that's true of life, let alone your music. You know. Um, but I think, I think in this case with my my album, I, I'm just really flattered and 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 humbled almost that so many people are saying they really like what I've done. And I I, I didn't know, you know. If, uh, I, in fact, I think when I first started releasing my record, because the album hadn't been released, they didn't realize what all the other songs were and how I've stylized it towards this sort of country and western folk sort of album, 
they didn't realize at first exactly what my album was. But since a, a couple of them have said to me, you know, look, I didn't understand what you were doing at first, but now I've heard the whole album, I get it. You know? <laughs> and I thought that was interesting, you know, because we're living in a world where it's very much uh, almost going back to the 1950s or early 60s where you have a, a tin pan alley situation. You've got these very clever professional songwriters and then they, they throw hits up on the radio and you're never quite sure who's writing or playing or whatever it is that you're listening to. Um, you know, the old concept of an album, you know, being purposely a concept, you know, I, that was something I really, really wanted to do. And I think at first, you know, some of the people were a bit sort of unsure about what I was trying to do. And I said, look, what I'm trying to do is to create a body of work where everything relates to itself. So the lyrics and the songs all relate to each other. The instrumentation all relates to the era that I'm trying to set my the tone of the music in, uh, the country music genre, the respect I have for that genre and the community, especially the old, older sort of Americana and Australiana history. I told you, didn't I, about um, how I went on the horse riding adventure, right? Right, yep. Yeah. Well, all of that, you know, all played a major, major part in how I recognized that I knew how to... Before, before I took that horse riding adventure, I didn't really know or feel comfortable with making an album because I didn't know where the boundaries were, where, like, I didn't know how to set the parameter on, like, it was almost like having an enormous canvas in front of me that was just a, a blank canvas, and there was no boundaries. Well, that, in, in a weird way, is frightening, because you don't know what genre-specific music you want to have on it, you know? Should I have, you know, super-cutting modern country on it? Should I have bits of, of modern country, bits of older country? Should I make it all old country? Should I have... But when I realized I could actually do more of a country and western thing and bring some modern influences into it, I went, that's how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now I understand what I'm doing. Now I know what I'm doing now. Well, it works, and it's it's a it's a cohesive album, and it's a good album. And anyone listening right now would uh, encourage uh, them. And if you're listening to this interview, give it a listen. Andrew Ferris, by Andrew Ferris, new album out. We're looking forward to more stuff coming out from you. Any more videos coming down the road and beyond after Run Baby Run, which is a fun video to watch. Also, um, any anything more to come? We'll be watching for that, and uh, looking forward to more projects from you coming down the road in the future. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm going to make some more videos. I've got another one or at least two videos I want to make. And I've already got another uh, three videos, believe it or not, sitting in the can that you've never seen before oh. from the album. I've, I've already shot them. And, um, but, yeah, I want to do one more as well, uh, you know, that we've got to shoot. And then I'll have another four videos if people want to check them out. They can go to, to my YouTube channel uh, or com and check out what I'm doing there. And also... Because of, we were in lockdown and uh, in October last year when we were last speaking to each other, we went in, into a recording studio and shot like a live, you know, version of both the EP and LP uh, sets of music. There's about 16 songs. Well, people can check out the first EP set that's up at the moment uh, on, on my uh, website. But the LP section of it is in post-production with the with the filming side of it right now. The audio is done, finished a while ago, but the, 
the actual um, visual element of it uh, is coming together as we speak. So that'll be up soon too. Gosh, there's going to be a lot to watch. That's cool. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye uh, keeping an eye out for all of that and watching all the videos and everything. Best of luck with everything when you're able to get uh, back into live concerts. That'll be awesome. Looking forward to a lot more coming down the road. Andrew, thanks for taking some more time to chat with us today up here in the States, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you, Luke, and keep your eyes fixed where the trail meets the sky. Great interview there with Andrew Ferris. Uh, again, the album, it's self-titled album, Andrew Ferris. You can find that on Spotify and other streaming services. I go by Spotify oftentimes. That's how I listen to the album. But you can buy the album, stream the album, make sure you do listen to the album. It's a good album. Definitely want to check it out. You can learn more about what Andrew Ferris is up to by going to his website, andrewferris.com. AndrewFerris.com. He's on social media as well, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. Keep up with what he's doing. And, of course, he mentioned on YouTube the assorted music videos uh, that he's got up and that are still to come and the other performances still to come. A lot more to check out there. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. The place where I work, the place where I'm on the radio and on, on a regular basis, and the place that provides the facilities to do these interviews. You can watch these interviews and listen to these interviews, depending on watch them if it's a Zoom or listen to them if it's like this one over the phone at greatesthits981.com. Uh, on the top of the page, it says features. Put your mouse over that. Below that, it says interviews. You can listen to and watch a lot of these interviews that I do and then my coworker, John Murphy, does as well. Also, you can go to our YouTube channel, watch and listen to interviews there. And for this podcast version, you can uh, subscribe at a, and find this podcast, Got Time for a Quick Story, at a lot of the usual platforms, uh, a lot of the usual podcasting uh, locations, and also rate this podcast preferably higher that will spread word around. Got Time for a Quick Story. I'm Luke Anthony.